Amen. Thank you so much, Brother Moore, for that. Now, <clears throat> I'm going to read a text here in chapter 2, but I want to share something else with you unrelated to our study tonight uh, in, in the Scriptures. This is related to uh, our previous study about love your neighbor as yourself. And I appreciate the good comments that I heard related to that. And uh, one of the points that I made was uh, that little word, as. And uh, I had shared with you that uh, the Bible tells us that we're to love the Lord our God with all of our heart and all our soul and all of our mind and all our strength and to love our neighbor as ourself. And one of the things I shared with you is that we need to understand first and foremost that those two statements come as a commandment under the law. They come from Leviticus chapter 19, under the law. And nobody has ever kept his law except Christ himself. He was the perfect man he was man and God at the same time, and he kept that, and he kept it on our behalf, on our behalf, so that the law is fulfilled in us, because it is, uh, that is imputed to us. That is his righteousness that is imputed to us. And also, I shared with you that understanding how that little word as is used, and so one way would it would be that we're to love our neighbor just exactly the same way that we love ourselves. And I shared with you that I, I just really think that it would be awfully difficult. There are people that we interact with that we could say we do love our, our children and whatever. Uh, there's probably not a parent present tonight that would not step up and give their life for their child. And so there are those that we can love that way. But we can't love everybody that we would interact with in that way. So the word as can be interpreted as saying we're to love our neighbor like we are, as the scripture tells us, to care about ourselves. And so it wouldn't be to the same degree. And then I run across a verse of scripture in John chapter 15. If you want to turn over there. And uh, this, I don't know why I didn't find that or didn't see it, but it illustrates exactly what I was sharing uh, with you related to that. In John chapter 15, it says in verse 11 and 12, Jesus is speaking and he says, These things have I spoken unto you that my joy might remain in you and that your joy might be full. That's an awesome statement, is it not? And people are all over our world. They're doing everything in the world because they want to be happy or they want to have joy or whatever. And I can tell you tonight, based on what Jesus said, if you want joy, then you find it in what Jesus has told us. That's what he's saying in that. But in the 12th verse, here's what he said. And this is my commandment that you love one another as I have loved you. Now anybody 
thinking seriously about that statement would say that we are definitely supposed to love each other, our brothers and sisters in Christ. But I don't think anybody would be silly enough to think that I'm capable of loving my brother and my sister in exactly the same measure that Jesus has loved us. We, you know, when I say this all the time, and I mean it from the bottom of my heart, I, I don't understand. That's incomprehensible. His love for me, for me, it is incomprehensible. I cannot know the degree of his love for me or for you, my brother and sister. I cannot comprehend that. I believe that is incomprehensible. Just the fact that he has loved us that know him with an everlasting love, meaning that there's never been a time in all eternity past when he did not love you, my brother and my sister. There's never been a time. He loved you before you were ever born into this world. And as I shared this morning, that love continued working in your life in bringing you by his divine providence to a saving knowledge of Jesus as your personal Savior. I don't back away from that one moment. There are a lot of people in the world who don't believe that. There are people in the world who think that Jesus went to the cross and died, throwed it out there, and then he's not involved and everything is left up to you or me as to what we do with that. There are a lot of people who believe that. And they, they, they miss out on so much because they, they don't try. And even though it's incomprehensible, they don't even try. They don't even try to think about the degree of his love for his uh, children. They don't, they don't think about that. And so what Jesus said there was certainly did not mean that I've got to love my brother and my sister the same degree that Jesus loved us. We don't even, I, I wouldn't even begin to try to think that. And so that illustrates what I shared with you all about loving our neighbor. It is not loving our neighbor as we scripturally are to love or take care of ourselves. To take care of ourselves. Men, the Bible says you're to love your wife as yourself. And you're, uh, nobody would uh, be mean to their self normally. Now sometimes... It has happened. There are people in our world that uh, struggle to hold on to life and who don't want to be sick and don't want to die. But then there are people who, uh, for whatever reason, whatever happens in them, they want to die. They want to die and they take their own life. And so there's something really seriously wrong with that attitude because the Bible would teach us that we need to be careful about loving ourselves and not love ourselves to the degree that it's a sin. And because the more you love yourself, the less room you've got to love anybody else. And you can love yourself to the very ultimate where you don't care about anybody but my four and no more. You know, that's the way it is. So this verse of Scripture, what Jesus said there illustrates the point I was making about loving each other as he loved us. We love each other just like he loves us, not to the same degree, but we love each other like that is what it means. And so I wanted to bring that to you before 
we look at our text. Now our text tonight, and I want you to remember, this is in uh, 1 Timothy chapter 2, and I want you to remember what, what I've been preaching on, and I've been preaching about sowing in a good way and reaping a good harvest, about sowing in a good way. And it comes from that statement where Paul said, Be not deceived, God is not mocked. Whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. And somebody reminded me the other day of something I already know, is that like our sowing and our reaping, we sow, if you look at it in a literal way, those of you who raise a garden or whatever, well, excuse me, whatever you understand this principle, you always reap a whole lot more than you sowed. A whole lot more than you sowed. Doris and I are in a contest. Our contest is who can raise the biggest tomato. She's got me beat by a half inch. I, I, I found one that was five inches, and I thought surely she's not going to beat that, but she raised one five and a half inches. And I tell you all all the time, I raise tomatoes that'll hang over an inch all the way around on a fried bologna sandwich. And I really do. I really do. But anyway, we understand that when we sow, and I, I, I sow my own tomato seed and put them in a seed bed with a canvas over them. I sow them when 1st of April. And, and then I've got tomato plants galore. And, and I've given away, I've given all of you many, many and we'll continue to do so as long as the Lord lets me. But we reap more than what we sow. And aren't you thankful that that's true related to sowing in a good way? That the harvest... And I know I'm talking to people tonight who have practiced that for many years in your life. You have a desire. That desire was put in your heart and soul by the Lord Jesus Christ. It's part of His effectual grace that works in us that we have a desire, we want to please the Lord. We want to. We desire to do that. And we try. We put forth every effort. And we're convicted if we think we have failed to do so. What causes that? It, it is If the Lord had left you alone, you wouldn't care about nobody. You wouldn't care about nothing as far as pleasing the Lord is concerned. But you do care. And it's because... The Holy Spirit lives and dwells within you. And, and so we have that desire. And when we follow through, and I, I know this from my own experience in life, that I've reaped a whole lot more than I deserve down through the years. I really, really have. And as I've shared with you all many times, I am rich beyond measure. Not in material things necessarily, I have enough material things to take care of me, and I appreciate that. But I'm rich beyond measure in a lot of other ways. Did you know there's a lot of ways to measure wealth and blessings? We sang that song, Brother Aaron, Count Your Blessings. Name them o'er and o'er. And I tell you what, I just thank my Lord every day of my life. Because I, I'm rich. I'm rich in grace and mercy and love. And I, I, I'm so thankful for that very thing. And so reaping more than what we sowed. And we would, if you've had that experience in life, you know exactly what I'm talking about. So that's where our study is. 
And in that 10th verse of the 6th chapter of Galatians, it says, As we have therefore opportunity, do good to all men, and especially those of the household of the faith. And what Paul did in that was make a distinction between those who are our brothers and sisters in Christ and those who are not. That's the distinction that is made. And so I wanted to preach a little bit, uh, or preach a whole lot, I don't know, you know how I am, but preach a little bit on sowing as far as those who would be under the category of all men, of everybody. Sowing as far as everybody. And what I want to focus on for a little while, and this will probably be the last point that I make as far as sowing good, sowing to the Spirit. Sowing to the Spirit and reaping good things. Reaping life is what the Bible says. And so I wanted to use the subject of prayer as a sowing. Pray, prayer as a sowing. And so I have this text tonight that I want to start sharing with you. I, I picked it up and there was a question, as I shared a little bit this morning, there was a question when it comes to praying for that category of people. And we would call them all men. That's what it says uh, in our text this morning. And the question that arose was praying for the salvation of the unsaved. Now that's a unique subject. And it's not necessarily the same to everybody. There are certain doctrines in the Bible and certain attributes of God that we learn along the way that has an impact on how we pray. Whether you like it or not, it really does. And I don't know about you, but for many years, I've been concerned about how I pray for certain things. And I'm, you know that I'm a firm believer in the absolute sovereignty of God. And I want to tell you something. If you are a believer in the absolute sovereignty of God, then it will have an impact on your prayer life and how you pray. I don't think there's anybody listening to me tonight that would think for one minute that we can make a, a command to God, that we can tell Him to do something and He does it just simply because you told Him or asked Him to do it. Now, I don't think there's anybody listening to me would think that way, but there are people who do. There are people who think that way. I've mentioned to you many times this uh, belief system that's prevalent in our world. And let's see if I can remember what it's called. It's, uh, um, I, I can't remember. But there are those, and some of these are uh, well-known TV, so-called TV preachers. You have to be careful about TV preachers. Now, you really do. But they have this belief that it's, we call it, name it and claim it. And because you spoke it, God is obligated to act on what you said. I wish that would come back to my mind. Any of you? Prosperity Gospel is one of the titles of it. Yes, sir. Thank you, Aaron. That, uh, that's, not a, that's not the only name of it. Um, and, and they go by that belief. And, but uh, I, I promise you that the next time I stand up here, I will be able to tell you that uh, if it comes to my mind. <laughs> but... But anyway, there are those who think that way. 
They are so flat wrong. They are wrong. Uh, word of faith. That's what they, they go by. It's word of faith. And that you, you may have run across it. You can Google it. And you'll get all the information you need about that. Word of faith. In other words, if you have enough faith, you speak the word and God is obligated to your word. If it's a word of faith. There are people who think that way. And they don't, they don't believe what I believe about my God. I'm telling you, they need to get in the Bible and do a little studying. But they use things like that uh, to get people to contribute to their cause or whatever, you know. But anyway, there are people who think that way. Now, I run across this passage of Scripture, and of course that question had come up about praying for the salvation of the unsaved. Now, there's a right way to do that. And what, before I get out of this, I'm gonna, I'll share that with you. Now, I need to go read the text or we're going to get to the end of, a, of the message tonight. And I, I do that every once in a while. Haven't even read it. But I will read the text. It's the first six verses of chapter 2. Chapter 2 is the first six verses. Here's what Paul says. Remember... He's writing to Timothy. Timothy is young. He's the pastor of the church at Ephesus. And so Paul is instructing him here. And here's what he says. I exhort therefore that first of all supplications, prayers, intercessions, and the giving of thanks be made for all men. Now folks, you can put that statement in that category. Where Paul said, as you have therefore opportunity, do good to all men, especially those of the household of faith. So I'm going to put that in that category. And, it, and I think it belongs there in the context. So as I <clears throat> read this, when I first read it, I read it with the intention of bringing a message about Sowing by prayer for all men. Sowing by prayer. That being a way to sow. And it is a way. And I'm going to uh, share with you thoughts related to those of the household of the faith too. And uh, so this is what he says. And I want you to mark in your mind the statement, all men. And then he says, for kings... And for all that, in uh, that are in authority, that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and honesty. For this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior. And we're going to find the all men again here just as we go along. Who will have all men to be saved... And to come to the knowledge of the truth. Now I know some of you are already thinking how this text relates to all men. And I've, I've told you many, many times over the years how to interpret that. Because, and there is, I am not mistaken about this. It is a fact. He says, for there's one God, in verse 5... One mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself a ransom for, there it is again, all 
to be testified in due time. To be testified in due time. Now, I, I'm not going to get into that text. I will. Uh, I'll pick it right back up again next Sunday night, and, and I'll share with you, if you don't already know what you ought to know about all men, you will. You will know. But I want to, before I do that, I, I want to put this in a, in a setting. I want to share with you, because the word therefore is here. You know how I am about that word. When you run across the word therefore, you need to look real careful to see what it's there for. Because it relates to something that is being said. And Paul is saying it to Timothy. Now I want to back up to verse 18. And I want to share some of the things that he says here related to that word therefore. And he says in verse 18, this charge. Now how we're to see that is that we have here a charge to Timothy Young Timothy and Paul, his mentor, is teaching him and he's giving him a command. This charge I commit to thee, son Timothy. Now it wasn't his blood son. He called him his son in the ministry. I had an older preacher one time who had taken a lot of interest in me. And, uh, and, and, and then I was young, you know. I, at one time I really was. I've, I've departed that now, but anyway. But he called me his son in the ministry. And he was my pastor when I surrendered to preach. And he would give me books, and he would sign it to my son in the ministry. And he called me his son in the ministry. And uh, so that's what Paul is calling him, his son. According to the prophecies which went before on thee, that thou by them mightest war a good warfare. Now folks, when we look at our text related to what's there for, what it's in there for, is that this is what it's about. Timothy was in a war. He was in a battle. I'm in a battle. I'm in a war. Christian brother and sister, you are too. Sometimes we forget that. But we are in a warfare. And it's a spiritual one. And we know what the Bible says about our weapons for the warfare. And we know what Paul said in Ephesians in the 6th chapter about putting on the whole armor of God. We are in a warfare. We, and, and, and we make a terrible mistake when we forget that. So this is what he's doing uh, in Timothy's life. And he says in verse 19, Holding faith and a good conscience, which some having put away concerning the faith, has made shipwreck, made shipwreck, of whom is Hymenius and Alexander, which I have come to believe was Paul's thorn in the flesh. And you know I've shared that with you many times. People would say, well, his thorn in the flesh was his eyesight, and he had bad eyesight. He really did. There's no, I don't raise any question about that. He said he did. But I believe his thorn in the flesh was a messenger of Satan to buffet him. That's what he said. And I, I will share with you some scriptures related to that next Sunday night. 
whom I have delivered unto Satan, that they may learn not to blaspheme. And so having run out of time tonight, now I know that probably most of you that are here would say, well preacher, I'll stay till midnight if I need to. And you know good and well I could just keep right on preaching to you about this text till midnight, but I'm not going to put you through that. I want you to keep coming back. I don't want you to get tired of the preaching. But anyway, I will share with you related to that. Here's the point I want to make in closing. This is something that I think is critically important about uh, interpreting what I read to you, the first six verses of chapter 2, and about praying for all men, and praying for all men. It's important that we see the setting. Now, I'm not making that up, because the word therefore is in our text. The word therefore is in our text. And so... It, it plays an important role in what Paul was saying about praying for all men and everything in our text that it says about all men. And if you'll hang with me, I believe I can share with you some things that will help you in your prayer life, help you in your prayer life, and especially related as the question came about praying for the salvation of the unsaved there's a right way to do it. There's a way that honors our sovereign God in praying for the unsaved. And we need to be careful about our prayer life because that is, that is one of the ways that we are pleasing to the Lord is that we not neglect, not neglect. It's a sin, the Bible says, in not praying for people. And uh, there's a real... An interesting thing about praying and sowing and knowing what God's will is in our prayer life. Knowing that. And I've had to struggle with some things in my personal life related to pray, praying for people and especially praying for those who are the unconverted. And I'll be sharing all that with you. So God bless you as you think about that. And I want you to read the first six verses of chapter 2, 110 times between now and next Sunday night. <laughs> if you would, I promise you a blessing from that. Now, I've not read it 110 times, but I have read it many times. For weeks now, uh, something will come to my mind, and I'll go back and read it again, and go back and read it again. It's a blessed text. It'll bless your life. Father, thank you for the privilege that we've had to look at this, and especially tonight to look at the reason why you said these words. And Father, how important it is that we know how to pray for all men in contrast to those who are of the household of faith. So we ask you to speak to our hearts as we know you are. If we're saved, you're constantly speaking to our hearts. And we praise you and thank you for that. Oh God, what a wonderful experience it is to know that you speak to us through your word and we speak to you through our prayers and the words that we speak. So Father, bless us now as we sing this closing number. Uh, minister to our hearts. Lead us to be closer to your will. In Jesus' name we humbly pray and amen. Would you stand with me now while Brother Aaron leads us in a closing number?